0: hallelujah father in heaven we say hallow be your name we say your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we thank you for the precious gift of our lord Jesus Christ we thank you because he triumphed over the grave we thank you because He's seated at your right hand to forever make intercession for us We thank you for your loving kindness that is better than life. We thank you for good health and we thank you for sound mind. We Thank you for the privilege of being called the children of the most high God. We thank you because we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above principalities and powers. We thank you that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the roof over our heads, the clothes on our backs, and the food on our tables we thank you father because we're alive today and we're not in the grave we thank you because it's only the living that can praise your name we give you glory because we are among the living today we thank you for everything you've done for us since the beginning of this year we thank you for the month of november which is the month of thanksgiving for us in this house So Father, together as your children this morning, we say glory and honor and power and dominion and majesty be unto your holy name. Father, this morning we ask that you come in your strength and in your power. Let the entrance of your word bring light. Let it bring understanding. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Let our minds be renewed by your word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. For we pray with faith and with thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please, just before you take your seat, just before you take your seat, I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the nation of uh, Syria alone. Um, The Ebola thing in West Africa is dying down. Uh, Nigeria is declared uh, Ebola free. Guinea is uh, going down, uh, Liberia is going down, but it seems to be, you know, something wrong with, with what's happening in Syria alone. So this morning, I want us to join together as children of God and lift up that nation to God and ask God to reverse that trend, The same way he did it in the other nations, let it be reversed. We want to join with the, 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 the president and the first lady and the people of Syria alone this morning because the first lady used to worship in this church. So we want to stand with them in faith uh, uh, today and say, Lord, we want that virus destroyed in that nation. Amen. And so please join with me as we raise up our voices to God on behalf of that nation. Let's ask God to take control. Let's ask him to give wisdom to the, to the, to the med- medical practitioners. Let's ask him that that trend will be reversed in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for the nation of Syria alone. We thank you lord for you are in control we want to thank you lord for the people on the front line we want to thank you father for what you've been doing in that nation lord we are asking concerning this virus concerning this disease concerning this plague oh god in the name of jesus let this plague stop in the name of jesus let this virus die in the name of Jesus. Reverse the train. Reverse the train. Reverse the train in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you will do that which you alone can do. Bless the government of Syria, alone. Bless the president, the first lady, and everybody working together to bring this to an end. Let it come to an end by your grace, by your power. The blood of Jesus over that nation. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be back at the eleven o'clock service with. With you all, it's always uh, an honor and a privilege to stand on this platform to, to minister. And I want to say uh, thank you to Pastor Colin for asking me uh, to come and, and minister to you today. I must say that I'm not exactly happy with him because he's gone to Kenya to take his passport. We must compel him anytime he comes to West Africa, you know, charge him double of the visa money. Amen. And all my Nigerian and Ghanian brothers say, Amen. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we will have to scrutinize that passport when he comes. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we, 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 you know, we've had it in this house. Because when he comes back now, he will want to preach in, you know, in Swahili. You know, we better, we better get some good Swahili translators up on this platform when he comes back. Amen. Praise God. Well, we've just finished our, you know, energized our conference. And the title, the theme throughout was going deeper with God, going deeper in God. And I just uh, felt in my spirit that it's not something we should rush over. It's not something that we should uh, confine to the archives. It's not something that we should uh, think that, oh, that conference has come, it's gone now, so let's look forward to, to the one next year. Uh, there are a lot of us who love to have uh, fresh manner from heaven. And that's true. Uh, the word of God is new. Every day is fresh. Um, but also we, we must make good warfare with the, not just with the prophecies but also with the word of God that has spoken into us. We must uh, uh, allow our hearts and our spirits to become a good soil upon which the good seed of the word of God is sown so that it can produce fruit a hundredfold. Uh, so that our lives you know, can be, can be transformed. And so it's in, in that um, spirit that I want to bring a word to you today uh, to encourage us to go deeper in God, not to stop. Uh, in, the, in our world where we, the church is full of entertainment, the church is full of hype, the church is full, of, is full of so many things. And thank God that, you know, here in this house we are more about discipleship. We are more about individual growth. We are more about uh, body ministry. Uh, the, the age of the saints is what we, we, we are about in this house. Yet, yeah, Thank God for great ministers of God that come on this platform. Thank God for the anointing to teach and to preach that we have in this house, the apostolic anointing. But the body has to be edified. and That's what the word of God says in the book of Ephesians. And before I go further, I want to welcome those who are, are watching on the internet. Maybe you are live streaming or maybe you are watching this uh, later on. You are downloading from the internet. I want to say thank you. God bless you as you participate with us today. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, please go with me to the book of Ephesians, the epistle of uh, the apostle Paul to the Ephesians. I want to read from verse 1 to 13. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1 to 13. I'm sure uh, most of us are familiar with this passage of scripture, but I want to bring some things out for us today uh, that we can go back, you know, uh, into the week and chew over in our in deepening our walk with God. After all, uh, uh, after all is said and done, there's nothing more than knowing Jesus. There's nothing more than getting closer and closer. Uh, to him. There's nothing more uh, more than beholding his glory, every uh, new dimension of his glory that he reveals to us every day and falling in love with him over and over and over again. And I'm convinced in my spirit that the only way we can serve God acceptably is to fall in love with Jesus, is to, is to keep uh, uh, renewing our, our, our love relationship vows with him, Every day of our lives so that, you know, the, the, the light of the, or the flame of our love for him is not quenched. We know that his, 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 the flame of his love for us will never grow dim, can never grow dim, and can never be quenched. And so the onus is on us to make sure that our love for him, we keep fanning the flame of that love. Amen. Ephesians 4 from verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. Here the Apostle Paul, in chapter 4 of the Book of Ephesians changes gear from what he's been doing from chapter 1 to chapter 3. In chapter 1 to chapter 3 of the book of Ephesians, if you have read or studied it, he, he was telling us everything that belongs to us in God, everything that we have in Christ, everything that God predestined us for, preplanned, even before the foundation of the world, how we are seated with Christ in the heavenly place, how we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, how all these fantastic blessings sealed with the Holy Spirit, how in chapter three we can do, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever think of us by the power that is at work in us. We are highly placed. We are extraordinary people. We are supernatural people. We are God's beloved. We are people who are favored by God. Even before the foundation of the world, we have been called to live and to walk in high places. We have been gifted by God to be his representatives here on earth. We, we have been endowed with so much that if we uh, take that in, in a natural way, in a fleshly way, we, we should be walking around uh, our society, our communities with our heads swollen We should be walking around arrogantly and proudly and in looking down on everybody and thinking to them, who do you think you are, Mr. Big Shot? <laughs> Don't you know who, who I am? I was in traffic in, in Lagos a long, long time ago. It feels like about 100 years ago now. And there was such a traffic jam and everybody was driving whatever they wanted to, you know. And one man was so... Angry, he came to one man blocking the road and said, do you know who am I? And everybody says, well, who are you? (laughs) He wanted to say, do you know who I am? So we said, do you know who am I? He was so angry. And sometimes when we look at the things that God has endowed us with, I have come to the conclusion that as born-again children of God, as Christians, as spirit-filled believers, as followers of Yeshua, we are extraordinary people. We are supernatural people. We are kings and priests unto our God. We are highly placed, highly positioned in Christ Jesus. We are everything that Jesus wants us to be positionally. Positionally it's amazing, it's mind-blowing, it's encouraging, it is beautiful, and I love it, hallelujah. But now in chapter 4, Paul changes gear, and he says, I want you to know that you are highly placed, you are up there, you are in Christ Jesus, You, you, you have all these blessings, now I'm begging you, I beseech you, begin to act like who you are. Here he turns into a beggar. The apostle turns into a beggar and says, I'm beseeching you. I beg you. You must realize who you are. Understand your identity in Christ and walk the way you are. Behave the way you are. You are not just trying to become, you already are. Amen. By the time Prince George becomes 15, nobody needs to tell him that he's a prince. Amen. He knows, he, he will know who he is. They would teach him, you know, you don't wave like that to the crowd, you know. You don't say, hello. You wave like grandma. (laughs) Or great grandma. (laughs) Amen. None of them in the royal family thinks, am I really a prince? Am I really sure that I'm a prince? And sometimes in our lives as Christians, we doubt the things that we should embrace the most. And so here Paul says, this is who you are. Now I'm begging you to please walk worthy. Behave as who you are. Because of the calling that is on your life. This is walk worthy. And he tells us in verse 2, verse 3, how to walk worthy. Let's be humble. Let's love each other. Let's, let's, let's be patient with each other. Let's endeavor to keep the unity of the faith in love. It is because there's one body. There's only one spirit. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. He's in us all and walks through us all. It's, it's about one kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are all about. Without Jesus, we wouldn't be here this morning. He is the only one in our lives that unites us. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. And then he goes on to say in verse 7 that, verse 7 that, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace has been given to you. Hallelujah. Grace is upon you. It's not just an ordinary grace, and there's no such thing as an ordinary grace. It is an enabling grace. Grace. And this grace also comes with another package, the measure of Christ's gift. There is a measure of Christ's gift in your life. There is grace upon your life, an enabling grace upon your life to help you use the gift of Christ in your life. Yes, later on Paul goes on to say he has also given some to be. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But before those people became uh, those apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, we all had to receive from this grace and this measure of gift of God in our lives. The measure of grace and the measure of the gift of Christ in your life is meant to be used where you are now. Everywhere you go, you must understand that there's the grace of God upon your life to enable you to accomplish everything that God wants you to accomplish. There's nothing the grace of God cannot accomplish, cannot accomplish through us and in our lives. And so when Paul says we must walk worthy, He's not asking us to rely on our own strength. That's why we say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I depend upon the strength of Christ to do that which is impossible. The strength of Christ is what enables me. I do not depend on Christ, uh, on on myself, but I depend on Jesus Christ. On Christ, the solid solid rock I stand because all other ground is sinking sand. To walk worthy of our calling. Last Monday, I was just dropped my kids off to school, was at home, and um, a workman came to fix some things in the house. I just moved house recently. And um, as I was chatting with the man, you know, the, the DIY man in the house, I, the, ble- the bell rang, and I wasn't expecting anybody. So I went to the door, and I opened the door. And there was a gentleman standing at the door. He had this little meter in his hand. And I thought, somebody came a few days ago to to read the meter. You know, I said, have you come to read the gas meter or the electricity meter? Because somebody came a few days ago. He said, no. He looked at me and said, and began to smile. And I looked at him I thought, this face looks, you know, looks familiar. You know, but, you know, when you you are a part of KT, everybody's face looks familiar. (laughs) (laughs) That's why... When you walk on, you know, on a Sunday you walk, you walk towards the station or you're around the high street and you see people looking at you, you just smile. (laughs) Because you know this is, you know, KT, you know. And so the man looked at me and said, you are praised, aren't you? And I said, yes. And I said, have you come to read the meter, the gas meter? I said, no. He said, I've come to enforce the TV license. (laughs) And so I thought to myself, (laughs) "Oh goodness gracious! (laughs) I've got an enforcer on my doorstep." (laughs) And so I said to him, "I said, well, I am not a lawbreaker. I actually have a TV license in my old house. I went online to transfer it to this house, but you know, your 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 website did not allow me to do it." Uh, And he said, "Don't worry." We will soon find out. <laughs> <laughs> so he punched his meter and said, oh, yes, is that the old address? I said, absolutely, that's the old address. And said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you transfer to this new address. Thank you very much, brother. And he did, and we talked, and I said, come in. Would you have a cup of coffee? He said, no, I'm, I'm walking. And so he departed, and, you know, he left, and I thought to myself, of all the TV enforcers in London. (laughs) It had to be a brother from Kensington Temple. (laughs) That was sent to my new house. So I said, thank you Lord for allowing me to walk worthy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because it would be very, very embarrassing (laughs) to stand on this platform This beautiful Remembrance Sunday, talking about walking worthy of our calling. And the brother is sitting in the congregation (laughs) and he's thinking, Should I really listen to this man? (laughs) Amen. Sometimes being a Christian in our world can be challenging, can be daunting. Everything we read in the Bible is coming our way again. In the book of Acts of Apostles, as, as the disciples broke out of the upper room and the Holy Spirit, they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and they go out talking about Jesus, they said to them, we don't want you to talk in this name again. They threatened them. But they kept going because they knew Jesus and because they loved Jesus. Nobody could hold them back from speaking about Jesus. There was a depth of relationship they had with the Lord that nothing could stop them from talking about Jesus. And over this energized conference, we've been called to enter into that place of relationship, to enter deep into that relationship again with God. In serving, in giving, in loving, in evangelizing, in discipleship, in everything that we do in this house, a deeper relationship with God. Because when the storms of life comes against the forest, the trees that don't have their roots deep down in the soil are going to fall over. And when the storms of life come against us as Christians, unless we have our roots deep in the soil... That we become unmovable, unshakable. That we really truly know that we are standing on Christ the rock. That all other ground is sinking sand. The storms of life may blow us off course. And I pray that that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. There's a measure of grace that was given unto us. A measure of Christ's gift. That enables us to walk worthy, to do the things that we would not be able to do naturally. I was reading one of the reports that one of our brothers put together upstairs. There is a lobby group that wants to take into our classrooms and teach our kids that having sexual relations as 13 is okay. But the age of consent is 16. And as the father of three girls, I hate that law that says 16 is okay. Now we're pushing the boundaries. We want to push the boundaries to 13. And we've got to be able to teach our kids what is good, what is acceptable, and what is the perfect will of God. We come to verse 8, and it says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on her, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, here, Paul was quoting from Psalm 68. And in my studies, I I discover some writings about this particular, uh, uh, some writings explaining this particular part of the scripture. It says, when the kings of Israel, or a king of Israel will go to war and fight and win and come back victorious... The king will ride on his horse, ascending Mount Zion. So he ascended. The king will ascend Mount Zion. But behind him, there will be two groups of people, trains behind him, line of of people behind him. The prisoners of war and everything they've captured. And sometimes, sometimes the children of Israel that had been captured by the other nation... That now this king, having defeated the enemy nation, set them free and is bringing them back to Israel as free people. And so this psalm is alluding to that, that when he ascended on high, he led captivity captives and gave gifts to men. So when this king will get upon Mount Zion, he will give gifts to people. He would give gifts to people. So Paul is saying it's the same thing with Christ. He first descended and the Bible says that he took the keys of hell and death from Satan. He triumphed over him. He triumphed, making an open show of him. And that's that's what they do in those days. When you are victorious in war, you, you line up the prisoners behind you, sometimes naked, chained together, and you parade them on the streets, making an open show of them, putting them to utter shame. And Jesus, when he descended, that was why he did what he did to the devil. He defeated the devil. And like we are taught to pray in this house by Pastor Colin, that Satan is disarmed. He's defeated and he's dripping out. He's completely important when it comes to your life. Oh, hallelujah. The power that Satan has over me and over you is the one we give to him. It's as simple as that. Because all authority belongs to Jesus. In heaven and on earth. And it's only unto him that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he alone is Lord. And so when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and so on. And then verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that the Lord wants us to come to. Here I put that down to Growing up with our roots deeper. We put our roots deep into him that we may grow up into that measure of the stature of Christ. Jesus wants us to grow into him. He wants us to fit perfectly with him. And we have to be equipped to do that. And theologians tell us that the Greek word for equipping here... It's also the word for perfecting of the saints, perfecting, katatismo. Katatismo, which means to, to fully equip, to be, to be matured, to complete, to come to full maturity in Christ Jesus. It also means to mend broken bones, to put together things that are out of alignment, to put them back into alignment. Another word that's used for perfecting in the Bible is teleon. Uh, an infinitive verb. Teleon. Uh, we, we, you know, it, that's where we get the, the root word for telestai from. It is finished. Complete. It's fully complete. It, it's where you get your, uh, the, the, the word television from. television, vision Distant. It also means distant. Distant vision. Telephone. Distant talk. Telescope. Distant scope. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Telephone distance speak. Should have looked at my notes. <laughs> Amen. And so what is this perfecting of the saints? Does it mean that we live a sinless life? No. No. Once had Pastor Colin speak about this in, in the Bible school years ago about how Spurgeon went to a conference and, you know, there was a man there from the holiness movement who believed that he has attained perfection. I am My holiness is perfected now. I'm a perfect, sinless person. And he went, banged on and on and on about it for the whole conference. And then I think probably on the final day, they were sitting at breakfast and Spurgeon decided to test his holiness. (laughs) And his perfection. So he took a jug of milk. And as the man kept on banging on about being perfected in holiness, Paul John took the milk and poured it on him. Well, his perfection went out the window (laughs) because of the things that came out of his mouth. (laughs) There and there he knew that he wasn't perfected as a sinless person. So the perfection, the Bible is talking about here, is about coming to maturity in Christ. That's none of us as parents that wants our children to remain babes. We want them to grow. We want them to mature. We want them to come to their own. And God is the... God himself is a father, the loving father that we all know. And he wants us to come to maturity through Jesus that we might be able to feel perfectly to the head, Christ Jesus, who is the head of the church. And... As a study, I study, I came to, to, to a conclusion. That there are three kinds of perfection as you, read this, uh, as you read the Bible. There's what I call imputed perfection. The kind of perfection that is given to you as the grace of God. When we come to know Jesus, we are made perfect positionally in him. Because the Bible says in Hebrews that by one offering, he has perfected us. By one single offering, Jesus perfected us. And that comes to us at salvation. We are made perfect by the blood of Jesus. The second type of perfection is what I call immortal or eternal perfection. Now in this body, we are mortal beings. But when we die and we go to meet with Jesus, we, go, we, we, we inherit our eternal perfection. We are made perfect Completely. Now, these two perfections, there's nothing you can do about it. Our salvation is given to you. When we die, glorification is given to us. God takes care of that for us. But that's the third one that I call mortal or learned or experiential perfection. The one that Paul was alluding to in verse 2 when he says we must walk according a walk worthy of our calling uh, with all lowliness. Being humble with each other. We walk, we learn how to be humble. How to walk in lowliness of heart with each other. We learn how to be gentle with each other. We learn how to be long-suffering. We learn, we, we learn how to bear with one another in love. We, we learn how to endeavor to keep the unity of the, of the faith. I like the, the word translated endeavor there. means keep working at it. To keep the unity of the faith, we must keep working at it. It's not something that we just come to like that and it's, you know, it's made. No, we keep working at it. So I, I keep working in loneliness of heart, in humility, in, in, in long suffering with my brother because I'm working at keeping the unity of the faith because the, the body of Christ must not, must not be fragmented. Because when we are fragmented, we are weak. A house divided against itself cannot stand. In Kensington Temple, we must pull our ranks together like an army. We must stay together as an army of Jesus Christ. In that cell, don't be the one that breaks off the cell. Don't be the one that brings the word of disunity. When everybody says we are going out to the school of leaders, don't say, well, it's just, no. Be the voice of unity in the body of Christ. In that body. That we may have the measure of the stature of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, how do we learn this perfection? It's amazing that, um, you know, Joseph was mentioned, has been mentioned twice on this platform today. Joseph learned perfection through the things that he went through. He came into his own. He came to that place of maturity that instead of hating his brothers. And I and I'm not, you know, I don't think anybody can do any kind of justice to the story of Joseph like our, our dear Dr. Artie can do. When it speaks about total forgiveness. But I believe, you know, when you take a look at the life of Joseph, you will see a man that came to maturity. Yes, while he was a young boy, God gave him a dream. He couldn't really hack it. He couldn't handle it. The Bible says that when he got the dream, he ran to his brother and he said, you know, you guys are going to serve me one day. I'm going to be ruling over you. And the Bible says that his brothers hated him. Then he had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the level stars were bowing down to me. So he called a family meeting. I got an important announcement to make. Dad, mom, my dear brothers, I am going to be a ruler over you someday. And then the Bible says, and his brothers hated him the more. So one day he was skipping to the, to the wilderness to go and, you know, his father said, go check them out. What's happening? He was probably singing. I am the man. I am the real man. The leader of his family one day. So as soon as he showed up from the distance, they said to him, there comes the dreamer. Let's kill him and see what is going to happen to his dream. And we know the story. And we know the story. God is never going to hand over to us what we cannot handle. Joseph had a Covering favor from his father, his coat of many colors. That was the first thing they took of him. May the favor of God upon your life not be taken away from you because of immaturity. Because of immaturity. In the house of Potiphar, the favor was still upon him. Potiphar's wife grabbed only one thing, that same coat. His favor was what, you know, because of immaturity. I I could picture in my mind Potiphar saying, come lie with me, Joseph, and Joseph you know, looking at Potiphar's and saying, you know, I'm the head of over this house, you know, except you, and that's because you are my master's wife. Anything I say in this house goes, you know. When I say people jump, they say, how high? <laughs> <laughs> if you are not my master's wife, you, you wouldn't have to ask. I would have taken you for myself. So the woman took his favor. He ended up in prison. But by the time he got to prison, the basket bearer and the wine bearer were there. He had come to maturity. Trials and temptations had taught him to come to maturity. So when he walked into the prison room that day and he saw those two men with sorrow on their faces, he couldn't let go. There's sorrow on your face. What is the matter? Tell me what is. It? He was caring. He was sensitive. He was insensitive to Potiphar's wife. He was insensitive to his brothers and his parents. But now in prison, he'd become. Sen- he'd come to perfection. He'd come to maturity. He's come to his own. He's come to that place where God wanted him to be. So that when God hands him the kingdom of Egypt, he can hack it. Amen. And so. his brothers finally showed up when he was in prison instead of saying to them see I told you one day I'm going to rule over you but you conspired against me you have no understanding of the anointing upon my life I am called to be a ruler no he had come to maturity he wept he cried he said to them I'm Joseph your brother They were terrified. They they, they ought to be terrified. When Pharaoh takes his ring and puts it on your finger and says, you are next to me, they ought to be terrified. With one word, he could have had them executed. But like we had in the offering talk, he said, no, God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. He knew the purpose. He knew the purpose. Here, Paul says to us, That's the reason for the fivefold ministry. That's the purpose for the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is given to the church to equip the saints of God for the work of ministry. The ministry is in the hands of the saints of God. The days of superstar preachers are gone, they are coming to an end. And I thank God that I'm a pastor. I was called from the banking industry. I went to Bible school. I resigned, you know, to come into ministry. But the Bible says that till we all. He gave some to be till we all come to. Till we all, Our job on the platform is to bring us to that place of coming to. The measure of the stature of Christ. And how would you know that the ministry is in your hands? Because Paul says you have been given the grace of God and a measure of the gift of Christ. Now the question for us today is what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Joseph, jo- jo- Joseph came to perfection, came to maturity. Two trials. James says, in, in James, just quickly read you this scripture. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Can't it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith walks patience, and let patience have her own, her perfect walk, that you may be perfect, entirely lacking nothing, entirely lacking nothing. The testing of your faith brings you to perfection so that you don't lack anything that is needed for the ministry that God has given you, for you to walk worthy of your calling. So James says, let's count it all joy. But today in the body of Christ, (laughs) if our car breaks down, we think we are sinners. If our boiler breaks down in winter, we think we've offended God. God is punishing us. Where we got that theology from, I I have no idea. (laughs) Most of Paul's letter about rejoicing, he wrote from prison. In fact, chapter 4, he says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you. He was saying, yeah, the Roman government put me in prison, but they are not really my, 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 my captors. Jesus is my captor. Because unless Jesus allowed me to be in prison, there is no Roman soldier that can put me in prison. So I'm a prisoner of the Lord and not of the, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. Rome has no power over me. Why? Because he knows he's seated with Christ in the heavenly places. There's a reason for him to be there. There was a reason for Joseph to go through prison, to go through the trials and the temptations, to bring him to that place of maturity and completion so that he can handle those things. No, maybe you're here today and you're going to try us and tribulations and persecution in one way or the other. I say to you like James is saying to us, can't it all joy? Can't it all joy? Can't it all joy? Because it will bring you to perfection. Because the God that said, I will never leave you or forsake you, that's exactly what he meant. He will never leave you or forsake you. God is with you in that storm that you are going through. God is with you in that trial that you are facing. God is with you in that shame that you are going through. I was coming on the A406 this morning. I was thinking in my mind about this message. And I sense in my spirit that somebody, that something staring you in the face. It's almost like shame. Shame, God. This is shame coming. I want to assure you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that storm is going to blow over you. Amen. Because Jesus took your shame on the cross of Calvary. Amen. He went to the cross naked. Because for, his, for our shame, he took our shame that we might took his glory. This storm of shame will blow over you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, he will not allow you to be put to shame. Amen. You will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. So, we know there is perfection that comes to us as salvation. That's one that is going to come to us when we are glorified at glorification. But while we're here in the present, that's one that we must walk through for our sanctification. Salvation, glorification, and sanctification. The learned one, the experiential one, is the one we go through, through trials and tribulations and storms. They perfect our walk with God. And the Bible says that God will never allow you to go through anything that you cannot handle. He will never. And so fear not. Because he will make a way of escape for you. He will, through that storm, he will make a way of escape for you. (laughs) If he has to pack the Red Sea again, he will do it for you. If the walls of Jericho needs to come down, he will make it happen for you. But Paul says here, we must understand that there is a purpose to this perfection. And so as I looked through my, my, my studies... I discover three things. I discover that as the privilege of perfection. He gave some to be pastors, apostles, teachers, and prophets. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be equipped with the Holy Spirit, to stand upon this platform today, to minister to the children of God. What an honor. What a privilege. The privilege of ministry. Not just for people here on the platform, but also for people who will rise up to the call of go and make disciples of all nations. It's a privilege for you to sit down in that cell meeting as a cell leader, to minister to the children of God. It's an honor and a privilege. It's the privilege of perfection. There's also, the, in the purpose of perfection, God uh, wants us to see a plan. Paul wants us to, to see the plan. And the plan is that the saints of God would do the work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The saints of God. You are able to take one person who do not know Jesus, lead them by the hand until they know Jesus. And then walk with them again until Christ is formed in them. And then they also are able to go find somebody else and take them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. And then not leave them there and walk with them and pray for them until Christ is formed in them. And then that generation again goes to the the beginning. And begin to do the same thing. That's the work of ministry. That's what brings perfection to the saints. And Paul says here, when that happens, the body of Christ is edified. The body of Christ is built built up. And then we're able to come to that place of maturity. To that measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. When the saints begin to minister to one another and minister out into our communities. And that's when we become salt and light. That's when we are able to bear with one another. We endeavor to keep the unity of the faith because we know there's only one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God in us and who is walking through us that may be, glo- that, that may be glory in his church. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. The purpose of our perfection is that his church will be united that will come to maturity, that will come to the knowledge of the Son of God, that will come to that perfect man, the image of Christ Jesus, and finally, that will become grown-ups. Because, well, yes, in, this, in our culture today, it's nothing strange for children to have children. But please understand, that's not the plan of God. It's not the plan of God. You know, I was listening on the radio a couple of weeks ago and somebody was proposing that, you know, teachers should teach children how to brush their teeth in school. When we allow the state to go to that extent of teaching our children how to brush their teeth in school, we've handed over power to them. And I want to assure you, thank God for uh, the social services. Thank God for the good work that they do uh, and so on and so forth. Thank God that there is a social service that at least do something about abused children. But the state is not always the perfect parent. What we should do is to encourage family values. That's The, that the answer to all the problems that we talk about in family and so on is to go back to the original value Amen. that Jesus told us about in the Gospels. No, in the beginning, it was not not so. In the beginning, God said, you know, the man and the woman shall be joined together and they shall become one. Jesus said that. And if Jesus said that, then that's, that's good enough for us as Christians. And so, you know, whatever the state is trying to do, let's focus on growing ourselves and growing our children and focusing on coming to perfection because that's the will of God for us. That's the will of God for us. And this is a challenge in the body of Christ today. Remember, going with the the message of discipleship to a particular place, to a particular nation in the west coast of Africa. This nation also shall remain limbless. And the, 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 the senior pastor was ready for discipleship. He's met with us a couple of times. He's willing But when we got there, by the time he sat down with his pastors, uh, you know, and and some of his leaders, uh, they they all said, you know, but what about our deaconship? If we all become cell leaders, does that mean we are no longer deacons? What is exactly because, you know, we we worked very hard for our deaconship. And I felt like standing up in that meeting, thank God for the spirit of long-suffering. I felt like standing up and saying to them, uh, I would like to know whether Jesus Christ died for your deaconship. (laughs) Was that why he hung on the cross of Calvary? That was not why he hung on the cross of Calvary. He hung on the cross of Calvary. He descended and then ascended and gave gifts to men that his saints will be perfected so they, they can do his work. And I thank God that that's what we are about in this house. Sometimes there may not be hype, we don't need it. We just need to continue allowing Christ to be formed in us. We've started in the spirit. We must not finish, finish in the flesh. We must continue to walk in the spirit. We must continue to subdue our flesh every day that we may walk worthy of our calling. And as we... Take this message from Energize, going deeper with God. Each and every one of us must go away from here saying, I want to deepen my roots in God. Amen. Because after all is said and done, on the other side of eternity, on the other, in eternity, that's what's going to count. That's what's going to count. Not the many cars, not even the many sermons that was preached by me or by anybody. It's about how we obey the call of the master. To be equipped, each and every one of us, because of the grace, the enabling grace, and the measure of Christ's gift that is in us. That's what is going to count. And my prayer for you today is that your roots will be deepened in God. That you go deeper in the place of prayer. You go deeper in the place of the world. You go deeper in everything that you do for Christ, but especially you go deeper in your love for Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you because the entrance of your word brings light. It brings understanding. Thank you because your word is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our pathway. I'm asking my Father and my God that every heart, every ear that has heard these words today will respond to the word in the name of Jesus Christ. Let our lives be challenged. Let the good seed of your water has come, fall upon the good soil in our hearts. Let it produce fruit a hundredfold in the name of Jesus Christ. I have, uh, please let me just make this call. Maybe you're here today. You have not really given your life to Jesus Christ. You, You don't know what it means. Most of the things I have said today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He came and he gave his life for you on the cross of Calvary. And he's calling you into a relationship of love with him. He wants to be your all in all. He wants to take you from where you are now to that place of maturity, of perfection in him. He wants to hold your hand as you go through the storms of life. But more than anything, he wants you to know him and his father. He wants to bring you into a loving relationship with God through him. And if that's you, you're here this afternoon, this Remembrance Sunday. And you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ. I just want you to lift up your hand. Maybe somebody brought you and said, come with me to church. Jesus loves you. Come with me to church. And you've come with them. I want you to know that if you respond to this call, somebody is going to attend to you and take you through what you need to know. So if that is you, all I want you to do is just lift your hand up as the consolidators begin to help me and the ministry team. Lift up your hand. I will acknowledge it and then you can bring it down. Somebody will come and stand with you. Before we bring this service to a close, is there anybody in this house you want to get to know Jesus, the author of life? You say, that's me. Hallelujah. Thank you, my sister. There's a sister right there in the middle of the church. Any other person? Just lift that hand up. As soon as I sit, as, as as I, I will acknowledge it. And then you can bring it down. You are here. Another sister is right there. Those two sisters, God bless you. There's somebody else at the back there. God bless you. Come on, come on, come on. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus loves you. He wants to, he wants to. Hallelujah, Right there in the middle, there's another two sisters right there in the middle. Hallelujah. You, are you at are the consolidators looking? Please, those of you who lifted up your hand once, please lift it up again and just bring it up so that we can see you. Thank you. God bless you. Can you see those hands? In the balcony, in the overflow, downstairs, uh, in the consolidation room, just lift up those hands. Lift up those hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you once again for these people who want to get to know you. Thank you for ordering their steps into our midst today. Lord, let this be the beginning of a new life for them. Let this be the beginning of a new walk with with you. Let your life come into them. Be their Lord, be their Savior. Let them know the joy of knowing Jesus. And Father, as your people go into this week, I pray, Lord, that they will go in the strength that comes from your grace and from the measure of your gift in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray... For anybody facing a particular situation of shame, Lord, let that storm of shame blow over them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let there be testimonies of your grace upon their lives. And Father, we promise to give you the glory and the thanksgiving. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you, Gabriel. brother.